Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome once again to another Match Day edition of the Gagan Pod. Coming up, we'll talk Chelsea and their fantastic victory over Atletico Madrid in Romania, thanks to another acrobatic Olivier Giroud finish. We'll also talk about Bayern Munich. Their 4-1 success over Lazio means, let's face it, they're pretty much through to the final eight. But in doing so, they've unearthed another 17-year-old. They've pretty much got a cupboard full of them. We'll also look ahead to the remaining round of 16 first-leg ties and chat Leeds and Southampton in the Premier League. It's always nice to have you with us on the show and on this particular episode. Dave Weiner, our sports editor, joins us. So too, former legends. Well, former legends, not legends anymore, apparently. John Aloisi and Michael Bridges. Uh, Johnny, I'll start with you today. Uh, Atletico Madrid and Chelsea. A lot of focus on that one. It was never going to be one where there's goals raining down, but what a result that is for Chelsea away from home. Great result from Chelsea, and I think a good performance overall. Look, they've been controlling most of their games in terms of possession, the way they are defensively, but I think in that final third this morning, they finally showed glimpses of actually moving the ball a lot quicker and, and, and playing that combination play in that final third, and Tuchel has been talking about this quite a bit in these last few games, because against Southampton, they were poor in that final 20 metres. That finish, Bridgie, from Olivier Giroud, the overhead kick. Uh, did you score many overhead kicks as a striker? I did, Rich. Loads in training. Um, nobody's obviously <laughs> witnessed them, apart from my ex-colleagues. Yeah, it's worth an effort, but I'll tell you what, to try it in a match of that magnitude, that's why I love him. His his highlights reel would be unbelievable. Is unbelievable, sorry. Yeah, well, the, he had the Scorpion as well, didn't he, Dave? And he always pops up, particularly in Europe, his record this season and Certainly compared to his, I guess, regular goal-scoring percentage, he's a European specialist. He absolutely is. He scored 15 goals and 16 starts for Chelsea in Europe, the Europa League and the Champions League. So he has truly delivered there since his move from Arsenal. He's deceptively athletic. Like if you think about the Scorpion, some of the looping headers he's got under his belt this year, plus that goal, um, I think he's a... We talked about sort of when we are just discussing the show off-air, is he the most underrated striker on the planet? And... I don't know that he is. I think people know the value that he brings. But it's, it's, there's always the question, is he good enough to be the leading striker in a side like Chelsea that has high aspirations? And I wonder what more he has to do to, to quieten down those discussions. Dave, this man won a World Cup without a shot on target. So that shows you what he does to yeah. other parts of the game. I think he's a true lead. He leads the line very, very well. Who is the only other French striker to not have a goal in a World Cup winning side? John? I... Don't remember his name. I know that he played at Newcastle United as well. Um, Givash? Givash. Givash. Boom. Wow. Just dropped my little yeah. knowledge bomb right yeah. there. 98 <laughs> World Cup. Do you recall the 98 World Cup? <laughs> Dave, you probably yeah. weren't born in 98. So, uh, look, I recall that World Cup. But it was more Zidane World Cup, that one, yeah. where with the, popping up two headers against Brazil. But talking about Giroud, 
Look, he doesn't go into the same category as the best strikers in the world. He brings his qualities to a team that he can hold up the ball, can link up very well. We saw that with the French national team. You also see it with Chelsea. I've been saying a while that Champions League European football does really suit Giroud, the way he plays, the, the, the actual tempo of the game's a little bit slower, and he does score important goals. He is the English version comparison of Emil Heskey. He never got as much credit as he did. Every other player around him scored the goals, got the recognition. Giroud's a bit like that. He leads the line very well. Do you think you might be able to get him to the Newcastle Jets then, Giroud? Giroud to the Newcastle Jets. Or the Edgeware Eagles. I wouldn't want them at the Newcastle Jets. He's coming to Edgeware Eagle, mate. Get it right. <laughs> we so go to a proper football club. Just back to the... <laughs> oh. I'll just bring this back to... Back to the lyrical about Giroud, because as a Chelsea fan, that's what I want to do today. Um, we, we spoke about briefly on air, the difference between Tammy Abraham and Abraham and Giroud. Is there still a horses for courses between them? I know you say that he is better in Europe, but in those big games where you need someone to step up, and in Chelsea are still struggling to bring in those other players around him. Is that where Giroud can play that pivotal role for Tuchel over the next few weeks as they try find those combinations? Oh, he definitely will play that role, but you also have to understand his age. And, and look, and Tuchel likes to rotate his players, especially up top. I think he's he's quite settled. Uh, bring back in Thiago Silva. I think that he'll slot straight back into their back three. Um, but then in midfield, he will rotate Kante with the other two. Kovacic and Jorginho doing well. And then Alonso's been the mainstay. But I think up top, he'll still rotate quite a bit. When you look at Atletico Madrid, Bridgie, they had six at the back for large periods of the game, particularly when it was nil all. Then, of course, they go behind, they lose the game. If you're Diego Simeone, are you thinking, well, it's okay, we'll be okay in the second league? Or are you thinking, shit, I set everything up basically to nullify Chelsea and they snuck one through? He'll definitely be saying, shit, he got a yellow card on the sideline. He's, you know, he's magic to watch. He's so animated. And I believe they missed Trippier on that right-hand side. So what you had to do, Urente was having to tuck back to make it a back four, and then they got uh, Correa coming back, and he was marking Alonso, and that became a back six. It didn't look great on the eye, but it was organised, and it worked, and they went for a press when it was needed. I think he'll be pretty satisfied, and he knows he's not out of this going into the second leg. So overall, Thomas Tuchel, eight games, still yet to taste defeat, only a couple of goals conceded. Uh, the only opposition player to score came at the weekend, by the way. Defensively, they've been very good. Are you convinced, Dave, as a Chelsea fan? It's not as exciting, maybe, as Lampard, but is this the guy that's going to sneak your way to a trophy? Oh, there's no question of his pedigree as a manager. Like I was, even despite the the downs of just before Frank Lampard was sacked, I was enjoying the roller coaster, but it was no guarantee Tuchel has tightened things up immediately. He's shown his quality, what he's been able to bring. But up until today, and even including today, he hasn't found those combinations. He's still struggling with the same things Lampard has did, but he hasn't had time. I think he will be good. I mean, he's a manager of immense pedigree. So looking at the next leg, they won't have Jorginho or Mason Mount. Mason Mount got a yellow card, I think, in the first minute of the game. Of course, they're suspended for the next one. You look at his squad, does it matter? It, it does matter because Mason Mount, yeah. I think, has been very good for him. I think he's probably the most informed Chelsea player, not only under Tuchel, through the whole season. So I, I think that the, the players that are coming in, Ziyech and, and, and Pulisic, and they, they don't feel the confidence with Tuchel at the moment. So I, I think it will matter a little bit. Um, Jorginho, not so much. Kante will come in in his place. That's what happened on the weekend. And you think that uh, he'll, he'll slot in no problem at all. But is he convincing... 
at the moment that final third's not convincing, but he will get it right because he's got it right in How the past. How can the final third not be convincing when we see the, the amount of money and the players mm. on display? I don't see how the dynamics are not happening sooner. Yeah, you look at the players that come on. I mean, Ziyech, obviously, Pulisic. Oh, I forgot about him. I forgot about him. Havertz is nowhere to be seen. They're all Havertz. struggling. And what's bizarre is for all of that money, even Ben Chilwell, who was literally probably in the top three players picked every week by Frank Lampard, is nowhere to be seen because Marcus Alonso's holding down the fort on the left-hand side in this new formation. Oh, I think he's doing the right thing with Havertz. I think he's taking the pressure right off of him. He said, look, when you're ready, I'll start bringing you on slowly. He brought him on this morning. Um, I think he might actually, uh, in the next leg, give him a, a, an opportunity because Mason Mount being out, he could slot into that position there. I think he's doing the right thing. He will come good. I think under Tuchel, Havertz will come good. So let's play Alive or Dead now. To just go over the rules with you guys because you need reminding every single podcast, it's a one-word answer. And I feel like given the result and the match we saw, it's a pretty obvious answer. This no, time, I can't do that. I can't give one-word answers. Uh, you've, you're disqualified already. I'll start with <laughs> Dave. Uh, he can show you how it's done. This time, alive or dead? Alive. 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 Well, it's alive for a variety of reasons. One is that it's so tight and it's a silly question. But two, last year, remember what Atleti did against Liverpool as well. They took in all that pressure at Anfield. They soaked it in and then they hit them and Marcus Llorente at the other end hurt Liverpool, knocked them out. A little bit of a, a sad milestone as well. Let's not get too bogged down in it, John. But a sad milestone was that that was the last European game that had a full stadium of fans. I cannot believe it's been a full campaign. Yeah, it, it, it's hard to watch at times. And I can just imagine how hard it is for players to get up every game. A game every three days. We talk about mental fatigue with other uh, sides. You know, we talk about Liverpool having that mental fatigue. Sometimes when you're mentally struggling and, and, you're, and you're looking for some energy somewhere, the crowd can give you that. Diego Simeone gets the crowd. Yeah. He gets the crowd going. At the moment, that, that wasn't a home game. They weren't even playing in Madrid. So that went against them, and it is hard to watch. I can imagine how hard it is for the players as well. By the way, a bit stiff copping an away goal in Bucharest when you're at Atleti Madrid playing at home. That's odd to me. I know you probably can't change it, but that does compromise with things slightly for mine. Yeah, it's a good point, actually. I mean, you can't. You're never going to be able to change the rules for one tie and not the other, but it's a good point, and we'll find out in a couple of weeks whether or not they actually pay the price because of that. In the other fixture this morning, by the way, it was a belter in terms of goal scoring, and particularly if you support Bayern Munich. Mark Schwarzer must be dancing in celebration somewhere. It could be any German side, and he'd be enjoying it. Lazio 1, Bayern Munich 4. And it's a reminder, Bridgie, I guess the class of Bayern, that's not in any kind of doubt. But since they came back from the Club World Cup, they lost a game, they drew a game. You know, Clearly, the schedule hasn't looked after them, but they turn up in Rome, and they remind everybody why they're favourites. Yes, they certainly do. I mean, John mentioned on the show, he said, the results domestically since the return haven't been great. But they turned up, and I'll tell you what, when you're a team in Lazio, the last thing you want to do, the current Champions League champions, is make errors. And that's exactly what Lazio did. They made vulnerable errors in terrible parts of the field. And when you're doing that, and you've got Lewandowski one-on-one with Pepe Reina, good luck. What do you think Matteo Masakio would have thought when he played that ball short? He looks up, and the person that gets it inside the 18-yard box one-on-one with Reina is Robert Lewandowski. He would have said, 
shit. Yeah. This is a goal. <laughs> because, look, I don't even know what he was thinking. We, we, this is a famous cliche that we always say, schoolboy error. It was a coach killer. Mm. You don't play the ball in the middle of the 18-yard box when your keeper's Pepe Reina doesn't really want to play out anyway, and he's standing on the line. If you're going to play it back to the keeper, you play it outside the post, not inside. And it was it was a bad error. It cost them. But that wasn't the only error. You know, they, they every single goal virtually, they were giving up the ball in bad positions. And the pace of Komen, the pace of Sane, they're going to hurt you. Davies. Davies. Yeah, and, and the rest. Yeah, Patrick gave the ball away for Sane's first. Sane got a ball in and a chair, he turned it into his own net. But I guess the big story when you look at those four goals, Dave, might be the evolution and the appearance of a 17-year-old in Jamal Musiala, an English kid who, again, like a Jaden Sancho or whoever else, have done it through Germany and has the world at their feet. Isn't that amazing how they've gone over there and the German sides are giving the English kids a chance? I still find that quite amazing and, and they're all producing. So he's the youngest English player to score in the Champions League, youngest Bayern player to score in the Champions League. It's not bad, not bad, a bad milestone to notch up. And how about the show of faith from Hansi Flick to throw him into the middle of the park? in a Champions League knockout game. He's not even 18 years of age. So Bayern's depth, when you look at it and you go, okay, well, they might get tested today because they've got a 17-year-old. Nah, they're up to scratch. Well, Bayern obviously throw players in when they believe in them and when they know they can actually produce. And they did that with Davies last year. No one knew who he was. Yes, the people that follow the MLS might have known. Um, Robbo knew yeah. because Robbo coached him over in the MLS. Uh, but I, I, I still believe that... The, They've got good eyes over in Germany. They know which young players are the players that are ready to jump into the first team. And it's been happening at Dortmund for years. And great to see Bayern Munich doing it as well. Bridgie, I love the fact that Bayern Munich also only had six players on the bench. You can have about 500 these days. And obviously there are reasons for it, injuries, etc. But I just love almost the flex of Bayern. It's like, well, we can only make five changes. We'll only put six guys on the bench, five guys and a goalkeeper. Yeah, and you know that's the audacity, the cheek of it. I, I love it. It's um, they've backed themselves. Is it due to numbers of injuries? No, I don't think it is, Rich. I think it's just they they know what they're all about. I think it's because Neuer fancies himself as an outfield player. Yeah, that's true. So if they needed yep. to make another sub, they could have just put Neuer as a striker and put the goalkeeper in goal. So I, I tell you what, it was a flex. You were so right because even um, the first goal. I mean, that that was just giving the game away. But then after that, so that was. Self, that was an unforced error. The rest of the errors were forced because Bayern just went up another level and said, you know what, forget those two Bundesliga results. Stop that storyline. We're, uh, we're here and we're going to be right up there once again. So Joaquin Correa pulled one back for Lazio. Clearly, if they go on with it from here, Bridgie, it would be a Correa just effort. <laughs> oh, love it. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a good dad joke. How much time have you spent thinking of puns, just looking at the cereal boxes on the Optusport promos over the last few days? Yeah, if you guys out there haven't haven't seen it this morning, um, the cereal box, Bayern Munchum. Uh, there was also tomorrow, there's special KDB, obviously, for Kevin De Bruyne. What else is there? There's Cereal ahead of Real Madrid and Atalanta. And there's one in a couple of weeks, too, for Jurgen Klopp. No one else has seen it out there publicly, but how about I just let you guys in on it? It's... Coco Clops. So, look, <laughs> now <laughs> you are just milking it. Hey, uh, very good, Reggie. Not really. Well done, well done. Yeah, we'll get on to. Uh, if people are listening. They've just turned it off. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us your best breakfast, your favourite breakfast to enjoy with Champions League. We'd love to know. In terms of this tie, obviously. I feel like it's going to be mm, a slightly different perspective on our alive or dead game. And Bridgie, I will start with you. This tie, Lazio Bayern Munich, alive or dead? Dead. Dead. Go on. 
Yeah, uh, particularly when it's going back to Germany as well for the second leg. Best of luck to Lazio. Good to see them back in the competition at the knockout stages. Might not last for too long. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Now we'll preview the next round of fixtures in the round of 16, which comes your way on Optusport on Thursday morning. Before we get there, though, there was another game live on Optusport on Wednesday morning in the Premier League Leeds 3, Southampton nil. Let's start with Southampton because viewers will not expect that from me as a Leeds fan. I'm sure they're shaking their head in disbelief. Uh, Southampton, Dave. They've lost 9-0 twice under Hassan Hoodle. They've gone eight games now without victory. They got hammered today. It could have been four or five quite comfortably. How long before a manager like Ralph Hassan Hoodle has serious questions asked of his place? I'm still comfortable in the fact that, and it's sort of what I said in the, in the post-game show, that given the 9-0 a year ago, when they were on a huge slippery slope at that time, they stuck by him and he's shown what he can do in terms of his vision, the way his side can play, how they want to go about it. This time around... It's kind of come at a, a climax of injuries. Um, I think they've struggled a bit like Liverpool with their energy at this time of year, with their style of play as well, and they probably haven't adapted accordingly with the depth they've got. Maybe that's a question on, on Hassan Hoodle's versatility. I'm not sure. But I, I guess the question then is, is it the club or is it the collateral damage, John and Bridgie, about when the players go, we can't get out of this, we need a change? Is that the bigger risk? I think it's when you see the players don't believe in the manager anymore and, and he's lost the group and you say down tools, I think that's when the, the hierarchy will actually make a decision and say we need to go in a different direction. Until you see that, now you, you will see it. You'll see it in certain games. You'll see it once they start to actually give up the chase in, in terms of running and fighting back or when they have to go press, they don't do it with an intensity or, or whatever it is, they will see it. And, and, and he even he will realise that when he's lost the group. So it'll be interesting to see how they recover because, look, I think this is such a tough one to get out of. It's not winning in eight games, but it's seven losses. Mm. It's That's huge. So, John, the, before that, he's only suffered two defeats and 15 at the start. They've had eight wins and five draws. I think that's bought him a bit of time. The mm. players have bought into that. They've seen what he can do with a full squad. Injuries impact teams when you lose big players Liverpool have seen it they can't use that excuse anymore and Southampton and Southampton are struggling at this moment in time with injuries however I'm agreeing with John they've seen an insight but after seven games you start losing faith the thing is though Bridgie like I, I agree uh, injuries impact results but the extent of the results is concerning because when you look at Leeds United they've had their injuries they play with an intensity like no other team that I've ever seen. And they're still able to get results. Not every week, but most weeks they're able to, you know, get back into a, a winning way pretty quickly. So we'll put it this way. When you talk about Southampton's injuries, the first three names, I reckon, on the Leeds team sheet, if everybody is fit, were injured for this game. So they've impacted other clubs as well. Some have dealt with it better than others. No Rodrigo, no Phillips, and no Cock. That's the spine of the Leeds team, and they find a way around it. And Southampton had Ings and Minamino on the bench. So they still had a strong bench. 
I, I, I question his versatility. That's yeah. that's the thing that I question the most. When you need to grind out a result, they don't know how to do that. And the thing that caught my mind today, and this one is to ask you in terms of does this make you feel that the dressing room might become an issue? The amount of space that Leeds had, particularly in the, those second and third goals, and it could have been more, I'm looking at that going, they're, they're not the races here tactically or physically. I'm not sure which one it is. I'll, I'll say the first goal. I'll say the first goal when Llorente played the ball into Roberts. It's virtually within two passes, uh, Bamford finds himself in front of goal. That's terrible defending. First of all, it's a great ball by Llorente into, into Roberts in the midfield. He's, he's in a position that it's hard to defend. But then the defenders, they, they left him too much space. Bamford's able to actually just allow the ball to run past him and he's right in front of goal. Poor defending. It was and embarrassing defending. Exactly. And there was more than one occasion that happened. So Leeds, Bamford on the score sheet again. Stuart Dallas can play in any position. I'm surprised we haven't seen him at goalkeeper yet this season. He's the arguably the most dynamic player in terms of... A, I know utility is not a positive word sometimes in football, but he could play anywhere. But Rafinha, the mm. first free kick, direct free kick Leeds have scored in the Premier League since Stephen McPhail, Bridgie, your old teammate back in 2004. What about that for a stat? There you go, Maka, the left foot wand. And Rafinha has a left foot wand. It's You know, we used to... Say to Maka, it was the best left foot we'd ever seen since watching Maradona dribble. He's, he was just blessed. And Rafinha is probably the best player I have seen in Leeds United shirt. The way he glides with the ball, the way he drifts past players, the left foot, the dynamic running, like the Wizard of Oz, Harry Kuehl. Absolute class player. Best since Kuehl, you're saying? Ah, without a shadow of a doubt, yes. The more, more exciting. It's just a shame the fans may not get to see this guy play in the stadium because mm. he, he may not be there next season because there's so many people wanting his signature and I, just to think that the fans couldn't sit in the stadium to witness that. It's funny, isn't it? Because for a lot of players, they probably don't get the true essence of a club until they've played in front of a full home stadium. It's remarkable to think, and I, from a Leeds perspective, hope that's not the case. They can hold out on any offers for him, which will come. Imagine that. You give so much for the club and for the fans and you never see it repaid back. It, it a player will go away going, I love playing for Leeds, but I don't know what the supporters were like. You know, he, he could actually spend a year there and not understand the atmosphere in the game. And and look, believe me, and, and you've been in that stadium, Bridgie, they can get on your back pretty quickly as soon as you're not playing well, but they would love a Rafinha, the way he glides, the way he actually controls the ball, the way he's actually his end product. It's not just about all the tricks and flicks that he's got. It's that end product, scoring goals, setting up chances, setting up goals. He's absolutely brilliant. Well, one of his coaches in Brazil, apparently, when he was being scouted, said his finishing ability is the best part of his game. Well, that's scary, isn't it? Yeah. And, and look, he's got a... I think he's got another level to go to. I think that uh, when you look at it and you say, all right, he's performing in a Leeds team, I think performing in a Leeds team is actually hard because of the amount of work they have to do for Bielsa. So I think that he could actually go to another level at a, at a club that playing Champions League football, still have that work rate and then have players around him that will give him that bit more space to actually show what he really can do. In the normal hierarchy, this is a stepping stone. To what extent does Bielsa have a, a, a mythical grip on the side that he might be able to convince the likes of Rafinha to stay for another year. Absolutely. Well, Rodrigo, Spanish international, current number nine, does not go to Leeds without Marcelo Bielsa. So let's find out also the financial position. This transfer window coming up will be really fascinating because there aren't too many clubs in world football who are flush with cash right now.
And the investment from the San Francisco 49ers coming in, taking a bigger share, uh, that, that is good signs because that means they've got money and they're going to be a global brand again. Speaking of global brands involved in the Champions League on Thursday morning, Manchester City travel away. They actually go to Budapest for their game against Borussia Mönchengladbach. Probably the biggest outsiders, Dave, I would say, in the knockout stages. We saw their celebrations when they got through. It was awesome. But they scraped through and they're up against the Man City side who not only have won 17 games straight in all competitions, but breezed through the group stages. You would like to think, from a neutral's point of view, it'll be tight, but everything points the other way. I think they'll be gallant losers, Mönchengladbach. I think they'll have a crack. They did in every game they played in the group stage. Of course, put Tempa Shakhtar Donetsk, although that's not exactly a yardstick for this game. And I think I'm just fascinated to start to see what Pep Guardiola does now with the full hand to play. It's only Nathan Ake that's unavailable now for him. De Bruyne is back in. Aguero is back into contention. You can only see this being one-sided, but I do wonder what he does in terms of selection. Dead. I'm just getting it. I'm just going. I'm reading what you're going to ask me tomorrow. Is this tie dead or alive? Dead. Yeah. Manchester City are through already. Well, yeah, the, the form as well of Gladbach. It's one thing to say they're not Manchester City, but they're eighth. They lost to Mainz at the weekend. Like, What does he do to selection? Dead. But what's he doing to his players, John? <laughs> look, I, I look, watching Gladbach, they, you give him credit. Where credit's due, they got through a tough group, a very tough group with Inter Milan, Real Madrid. I think that um, they don't—they're not even going to put on a gallant performance. If you watch their last few uh, Bundesliga games, Marco Rose already announcing that he's gone to Borussia Dortmund. I think he's played on their minds. I think the players are sort of when we say down tools, I think they're saying, "Well, who's the manager? Who are we playing for here?" And so I think that Manchester City will dominate. Pep will actually rotate. He has to rotate his players because he's got a lot of games coming up and they're in a great position, I think, in both aspects in terms of the league, which we think they'll win, and the Champions League, I think they'll get through this stage. Uh, Paul Pep, I mean, looking at the bench from the weekend in the Premier League, the fact that he might have to play Aguero or Jesus or Foden, I really feel for him, you know, going into this one. The other fixture, of course, Atalanta at home to Real Madrid. Again, a couple of sides that know how to score goals. The question, I guess, for Real Madrid is can they do it with players out injured, where their focus, once again, is on La Liga, only three points shy of Atleti. Yeah, chasing Atleti. And, you know, I, I look at this, a man in Benzema, there's question marks whether he's going to be right. Is he going to be involved? I think he's going to be a huge loss. They've got injuries, they've got an injury crisis, but this man, he scored in 16 Champions League campaigns. That's longer than the career that I had. He scored in every Champions League um, campaign he's played. That is that is marvellous. That shows how good this guy is. That shows how much faith Zizi and every other manager has put in him. I think he'll be a huge loss. And Atlanta, a team that just loves scoring goals, they've found their zest again, John, eh? They have, uh, look, 4-2 against Napoli on the weekend. They're actually going forward, Zabata, Muriel. They've also, Ilicic didn't even make the pitch on the weekend. So you think that going forward, they're going to have a lot. But who can actually question Zizou, which we all have, everyone has around the world, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, is he going to stay this year? Is he going to get sacked? You know, they're struggling in La Liga. Now they're only three points behind because they've had four wins on the trot. In in the Champions League, I think they'll get through this group stage. It's going to be a tough one. But I think with the likes of Modric, Cruz, Casemiro, they're holding that team together at the moment. They're the ones that are really standing up and showing, look, we can do it without Sergio Ramos. He's been out injured for a long period. And these three experienced players are the ones that are really holding that team together, even without Benzema. But you're right, if they want to go even further, they need Benzema up top, they need Ramos at the back, and then you'll start to think that, well, 
they got an opportunity here to go deep into the tournament. It's been a renaissance of that midfield three, hasn't it? Everyone questioned, particularly Cruz and Modric, whether they would move on, and they've held the side together to push them almost to... You, you can see them just sneaking past Atleti now, and we almost called it a little while ago, and it's off the back of that trio. Well, that's inspiration for all uh, elder footballers out there. We know Mark Schwartz has never officially retired, and uh, John Aloisi, Michael Bridges, you might have life yet, gentlemen. Definitely got no life in me. <laughs> the way Al- I'm the alive way or dead, <laughs> Dave. I feel dead. <laughs> Even just sitting on the couch today doing the um, doing the commentary in the lounger there, I got up and I'm I'm walking away. I've got a bad hip and a bad groin. <laughs> and John Luisi said, "Have you been running or anything? Have you done any fitness?" I says, "No, that's just sitting down for an hour." <laughs> so I am dead. Well, I feel like I should probably mention it because I get asked quite a bit uh, on social media or people text messaging asking why on earth I'm wearing a moon boot on set. I can't exactly throw stones at you guys either after uh, rupturing my Achilles. So, um, yeah, and it's fashionable is the main answer, I guess, as well. Uh, Guys, we're out of time on this particular episode. More coming later this week. There'll be another match day edition of the Gagan Pod. Dave, Johnny, Bridgie, always a pleasure, guys, and listeners out there between now and the next Gagan Pod. Make sure you enjoy your football. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.